You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Tracy Murdo with the Future Tech Podcast, and today I'm very excited to have Dan Abate, co-founder of 81C, on the show today. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Well, I'm really excited to get started, and I think our listeners will be very interested in what you have to say as well. Why don't we start out with, tell me first a little bit about your background in the, the crypto space and the blockchain world, and what kind of interested you in this field in the first place? Sure, sure, absolutely. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm a tech guy by experience and history. I was involved in the whole, um, you know, late 90s run-up of the whole internet you know, and then eventual boom and bust and all that sort of stuff. So I've been involved in kind of the tech space my whole um, adult life and career. And so um, when when the, the crypto space and blockchain really started to kind of meet the mainstream, let's say around 2017 or so, um, I took particular notice. I, I At the time, I wasn't necessarily involved in direct um, tech operations at that point. We had acquired a bunch of other companies that were not tech Although that we we use tech from a process perspective, they were not tech companies per se, um, and so I you know saw what was happening in the blockchain space and how it was starting to make some uh, inroads into kind of the mainstream consciousness. And then when I looked at that, I said you know hey there's something here. This really reminds me of what was going on, uh, you know, in the the mid to late 90s. And um, you know how do what do I need to do with this? What do I need to pay? How do I need to pay attention to this? And um, and then I, from that point, I kind of kept an eye on it all the way through, um, you know, the 2017 run up and, and then uh, the following kind of, um, I don't want to say bust, but that's a little bit what it was, the bust um, as it went into 2018. Again, feeling very familiar with what I had experienced, uh, which was a good, which was all good stuff. I looked at all of that whole process as a very positive thing for the um you know, the blockchain technology and the kind of industry surrounding it, because that's kind of what happens with, with big revolutionary things. You know, everyone gets excited about it and starts throwing a lot of effort and money in that direction when not really knowing what's going on. And then as it, you know, shakes out and straighten itself out, then you start to get that, um, you know, what happened basically where, you know, regulation starts to step in and everybody starts to try to figure out exactly how it's all going to work. And that's, that's what I'm excited to be a part of right now. What do you think it was specifically, <clears throat> if you can put your finger on it, I mean, how did you know or have the, the foresight to kind of know that this was going to be a big thing? I mean, despite the, the little boom and bust we had, but I mean, what do you think it was that, that kept you hooked? Because I mean, there's a lot of stuff well, out there that you could be keeping your eye on. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, the technology itself, 
the underlying technology, not just kind of like the the you know the crypto part of, but the underlying blockchain technology itself is a relatively simple concept conceptually, like uh, in terms of how it works. You know, the way that you're able to you know to distribute essentially everyone distributes like keeping each other honest for lack of a better word because you're distributed over millions and millions of nodes or whatever like that conceptually makes a lot of sense and is, is fairly simple to understand and then when i you know when you start to see it actually evolve over kind of the 10-year period you know since bitcoin originally came out and then later on ethereum and the others um that's what that's what the, there's the the scale of potential applications for me is what keeps me interested. Like I'm, I'm anyone who knows me knows that I'm a, I'm a big thinker. I always like to see kind of look for the big things because um, that's what keeps me interested and that's what keeps my focus. And so um, that's really what it was with this is just imagining the scale of how this, um, again, simple concept, but difficult to execute. And we, you know, it, and the community is doing a great job of overcoming the obstacles to execution. Um, it just seemed like the right thing to, to keep my eye on and pay attention to and figure out how I can be involved and move things forward. So let's talk a little bit about the regulations that have that have come up in the past yeah. few years before we get into 81C. Um, for our listeners, maybe just as a, a catch-up overall, quick overview, if you can kind of just remind us, refresh everyone, what have been some of the biggest regulations that have sort of shaped you know, all of these incubators, all of these <clears throat> new entrepreneurs coming out, all of this wave that's come through. What do you think are some of the biggest things that have shaped what's happening now? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the thing that's really interesting about the way the regulatory space is shaking up is that although it's a new technology that we're talking about, at the end of the day, it's old regulations. It's nothing, there's, there isn't really anything too surprising. And, and I don't want to you know, to my own horn in that regard. But I, you know, that was when I was watching it in 2017, I, I that was sort of the feeling that I was having. That's like this, at, at the end of the day, we can, we can say, now, if you talk about a cryptocurrency, like a true cryptocurrency, that's, that's, you know, supposed to be used for transacting, you know, um, you have facilitating transactions, you know, financial transactions, that's one thing. But when you start connecting it to um, ownership and like you know you know the, the the this kind of blurred line between a the utility token and the security token which didn't have it wasn't called the security token it was just they were all utility tokens until the regulations stepped in um, it, that's where you start to see like well you know this all sounds very familiar if if you're owning a piece of something um, how how do we deal with that well we deal with that the way we've always dealt with that and that's basically what the SEC eventually stepped in um, and they this is, these are all securities. You're, you're, you're owning, you're, you're investing your money into something with the hope of a return that's um, outside of any effort beyond just putting your money into it, which is one of the, one of the few definitions of a security token or of security in general. And so once that happened, um, that really started to kind of lay the groundwork for, hey, this is a new technology, just like every other, you know, new technology that comes out that doesn't, throw all of the other rules and regulations that we've had for a hundred years out the door. Um, so just live within those, within those rules. And that's, that's really all that's happened, frankly. Um, there hasn't really been much, you know, declared beyond that. It's really just been, um, Hey, follow the existing rules. And um, I see a lot of people going down that path and, and, and doing that. So let's talk about 81C 
<clears throat> what it is, who it's for, and I'd like to know kind of what brought this up or when, when did you guys start and what was the vision behind it? Sure. So um, we started 81C um, in 2016, and um, at the time, uh, which is still what it is, uh, the idea was, look, we're going to acquire good, solid, cash-flowing companies. Again, not necessarily technology. Also, basically, we, we like to say kind of, you know, good, boring, predictable businesses, businesses that have been around for a while, that have good, solid track record, that have, you know, good, solid kind of market horizon in front of them, and they generate cash flow every day, every week, every month. Um, and then we're going to, you know, look for ways of improving them, of course, and growing them. But at the end of the day, they have to start in that base area. And so in 2016, we started to do that. We, you know, we just started to look at, all right, we're going to acquire these companies, and then what type of operating structures do we have to have in place to do that at scale so we don't, you know, bog down in one or two or three or four, which is essentially what I had been doing previously in the early 2000s was, you know, I get to one or two, maybe three, before I'd have to, you know, sell one to go buy another, that sort of scenario. And so we said, let's figure out how to solve all the scaled operational issues around acquiring lots of different companies uh, and then just keep going from there. And so 2016, we started that process. We started experimenting. We had two prototype companies that we acquired. And then in 2017, like I said, is when we started to notice what's going on in the blockchain world. And we said, now this is interesting. We said, if this continues down the path that it's going and we can securitize uh, our um, portfolio that we're already building, we would be able to build a operating company, uh, comp our company, um, that we can offer to this new world and, and, and on the back of this new technology that hasn't been offered before. Because a lot of the stuff that was being, you know, that the blockchain was being used for and that the cryptocurrency kind of world is being used for was all startup and very far in the future, you know, business models. Where in our case, we've got good standard cash flowing businesses. At the end of the day, if you want to, you know, invest in a business, then um, you can actually calculate what the value of our company is based on the underlying assets, as opposed to a startup scenario where you don't have any idea what the outcome is going to be. So uh, as 2017 rolled around and the 2018 started, uh, and that's when the SEC stepped in and said, hey, everything's a security, just deal with it. We said, great, that was the ruling that we wanted um, because then that made it very clear for us um, that we can basically say, this is perfect. We can take our operating company, which has all these other operating companies underneath it, all easy to calculate the value based on the cash flow and the return on investment, and then attach that and attach that to the blockchain and utilize the technology for for really what it could be used for, which is this kind of transactional, um, you know, aspect and, and distributed um, system, which takes out a lot of the, the, the more expensive costs of um, issuing a security in, in kind of the traditional route. Um, so we're essentially able to go public and make our company available to everyone in the whole world for a, uh, a much more reasonable price, even living within the, the securities regulations. So when I say much more reasonable, I mean still quite expensive and still a pain in the butt, but significantly less expensive um, than the alternative, which is the traditional route. And I'm sure that those costs will continue to go down as, as uh, you know, everyone figures out. So we're very excited to be able to uh, put those two things together. Our, our regular cash flowing business, that's scalable, with the, the new technology and um, within the regulation uh, from the SEC. And, and globally for that matter, we, our, our attorneys are 
are working with all the other jurisdictions so that our token truly will be a legal security token globally. Um, and anyone in the world can transact it, which is really, really cool. So who is 81C for? What types of entrepreneurs or businesses? What are some of the criteria that you're looking for? Or is it for anyone? Yeah, great question. So for two, so there's kind of two sides to the equation, right? So we call it the supply side and the demand side. The supply side are the businesses and the entrepreneurs. So the supply side is, is um, a business that's been around for 30 years and the guy who started is looking to exit and we want to acquire it because it fits our model. Um, and or it's, a, it's a, the entrepreneur themselves, the person who's going to head the company and they've got a, a growth mindset, they've got a consolidation, a roll-up mindset, they're ready to grow and they need our resources to help them do that um, so they can operate under the 81C kind of umbrella. So those, that's the supply side. That's the people that make cash flow. Those are the people that make growth. Um, and those are the businesses in which we do that. Um, and so that's happening as a process. Again, remember thinking about this, that, that this, our, our, our company, 81C, is the process, is the machine that is constantly growing and constantly running that side of the business, the supply side. And then, of course, the demand side is, is the other side. It's the investor. It's the people that um, want access to these kind of alternative um, operating companies, which they wouldn't, would never have access to before because, again, the, a public company, the cost to go public in the traditional sense is, is um, both financially and politically, um, and you have to have all the reconnections and all that stuff, um, to make that happen, it just doesn't happen for most companies. I mean, when I say most, I mean 99.9% never have an opportunity to do that. That doesn't mean they're bad companies. It just means they don't have the opportunity because of financing and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so the demand side kind of gives access, you know, to all of those, those companies, um, to anybody who wants to, to have access from anywhere in the world. Again, I think that's kind of the key component as well, that you're not restricted to like, oh, do you have a U.S brokerage account, or do you have a, 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 a French brokerage account or whatever, an EU brokerage account, um, you can, that everybody's playing equally at, at the same time, everyone gets to do the evaluation and, and buy into the company or sell it, it public, you know, in a liquid market if they want to. So how does one get started in working with you? I mean, what, what are you bringing to the table? Kind of what's the, the process? Sure. So from a, from a working perspective, so if, if people have companies to sell, that's one thing. Like that's just a regular kind of um, brokerage process, right? Like, so like they can get in, get in contact with us and if they have something, a good company that does good cash flow, we'll consider it for acquisition and scaling. Great. That's kind of the easy one. As far as the operator goes, the person is really going to be the CEO of that company, really drive it forward. Um, that's a little bit that's a little bit trickier of a question because we have a very specific onboarding process and evaluation process that, um, that we, we, we evaluate heavily on our corporate culture. Um, it's important that everybody who works with us um, not only uh, is good at what they do, but also kind of sees the vision for where we're going and, um, and builds on the momentum that we've already uh, picked up in, in terms of, uh, you know, kind of both financially and growth of the company, but also, um, you know, the culture that we want to create and, and, uh, and the, um, we have a, a do good and do well type um, perspective and we want to make sure that everyone else can, can play along with that as well. And that makes sense, obviously. So what do you all have going on? I mean, with 
new regulations coming up, obviously, I'm sure that will only continue to expand each and every year. What are some of the things that you foresee are going to be challenges or benefits to the space? Um, and kind of just give me a little outlook on what do you expect for Eddie see in the coming years with all of that? Yeah, so I think, I think like you said, I think um, the regulatory space is always, um, you know, in process, right? So there, there's, everybody's still trying to figure it out. Uh, the big thing that we need to have happen in the space, uh, which is already in process, but, you know, how, who knows how long these things take. It shouldn't be too long, but, you know, it takes whatever time it takes, is we need to have, um, a, like, a compliant security token exchanges. Like, that's what we currently don't have. We have a lot of um, cryptocurrency exchanges, and so if they're true cryptocurrencies, they're transacting and that's fine but the security token exchanges haven't come online yet um and at first they'll be centralized because that you know is the quickest and easiest way to get it done especially from a from a regulated you know regulatory perspective but i think the um in the short term we're going to see um the decentralized security uh token exchanges come online in which case that'll make all of the transacting between parties a lot easier because then that, that gets, creates the liquidity and really creates the value um, that we want to, that we and everyone else who's in kind of a security token world want to see. Um, and then from the investor's perspective too, it just makes the whole process a lot easier because there's, you know, these big central places they can go to transact. Um, and then of course, I think you will eventually see decentralized um, regulated security uh, token exchanges as well. I don't know when that will happen, though. I think that's a much farther on the on the horizon um, because I think from a regulatory perspective, it's easier to get something through the regulation if it's centralized and people have some control over it than to try to create a whole distributed system at the same time. But I could be wrong. We'll see how long that takes to come about. And what about from your standpoint with 81C? Is there anything coming up that you know we should know about or that? sort of on the horizon for you all in, in 2019, I guess we're still kind of early in the year. <laughs> yeah. So, so our, our um, company will be open up to, will be open up to investors um, very shortly here um, from, from anywhere in the U S and around the world. So keeping an eye out for that, that's definitely coming. We've been working on through that process for the last year and some change. Um, so we will be available and we'll be, you know, available to the public, which is really cool. Um, that's kind of the big thing as it relates to kind of the demand side. And the supply side, you can just watch our, you know, like any other public company, we have to, you know, uh, give you audited financials. We have to show you everything that we're doing and whatever. And so we're, as we're doing that, there's going to be, uh, we've got a whole bunch of different acquisition and growth opportunities in the pipeline. So those will start to, um, will start to hit over the next couple weeks and months. And so it's just a matter of keeping an eye on us and seeing, uh, watching how we grow. It's, it's, we've got some pretty aggressive growth models um, that if we're able to hit them, it'll, it'll, it'll be a lot to talk about. That's for sure. Where will it be announced when, uh, when everything is ready and open to the public? You'll be able to see that on um, startengine.com slash 81-C. That'll be the first round. That's our CF um, offering. And then okay. from there, um, after the CF offering, well, regardless of the CF was an interim step because, again, because of regulatory stuff, it was quicker to kind of get that ball rolling because um, we wanted to get out there while we've also got another um, 
regulation, a, a much more scaled regulation that we're working under as well with the SEC right now. And so then that'll be um, scaling up in the next you know bunch of months too as we work through that process. So um, yeah, lots of good stuff going on. And Dad, what's the, the website again? Or is there any place where people can sign up or get their email address so they can be alerted yeah. and keep on top of this? Yeah, sure. So if you go to our website, 81-c.com, again, that's 81-c.com, there's information on there and there's, um, you know, there's a place where you can put your email for, you know, staying on, uh, in contact with us via the newsletter or whatever. Um, and then slash 81-c, which has all of our uh, financial reviews and all of that stuff um, on there, uh, which is, will be online if probably by the time people are listening to this. It'll be online, <laughs> so it'll be fast. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and this is going to be some exciting things happening, definitely, for AD1C. Dan, is there anything else that you'd like folks to know about before we sign off for the day? No, I, th I think the important thing to know is, is that, like, our goal is really to make it so that every person has access to um, uh, the value that entrepreneurs and the companies create from day one, um, normally that process, the, the funding process usually exists with um, accredited and professional and elite investors who kind of run companies all the way up to the point where they go IPO, but at that point they're already worth billions of dollars. And it was very important to us to spend the extra money and extra time to allow the public to come on this journey with us from the very beginning. And especially because we have a very predictable model because we're acquiring things and growing in a very predictable way. Um, it's very important to us that the, that the public and the community that we build really becomes a part of our, um, our DNA, our ability to you know, stay on top of us and, and pay attention to what we're doing because we really did do it all for you guys. <laughs> so we're happy to have, uh, have everyone involved. Awesome. Well, we sure appreciate you coming by again, Dan. For our listeners, again, this was Dan Abate, co-founder of 81C. Thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate your time today, and I hope you have a good one. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.